Hello, Naked Peeps, and you're listening to a revamped episode of The Naked Nerd. I'm The Naked Nerd himself. How are you doing, everyone? So, before I actually move on with this episode, I'd like to give a big shout-out to Brent Little Creative Services. Uh, without his help, I wouldn't have the new logo and the new banner that is uh, now available on all platforms. So, uh, you will see it on the iTunes platform, you'll also see it on Podbean, and on the new website that I've developed for, specifically to extend the podcast. Uh, now, without his help, Brent Little, um, I wouldn't uh, have been able to make the show as, I would say, as colourful as it is now. Um, for So for those of you who don't know, um, I actually changed the logo and the banner to actually make it more... Uh, more me. Um, but with the help of Brent Little, who actually uh, provided with some very great ideas, uh, he took the time to actually make the logo and the banner and uh, came up with something that actually says what the show is about and actually uh, did it really well. So big props to him. And I'll leave a link on uh, the episode or the information of the episode so you can go visit his website and uh, ask for his particular services. Uh, with that in mind, if you ever need uh, a business card or if you need something to vamp up your event in a creative sense, please go to Brent's Little Creative Services. Now moving on, uh, speaking of people to uh, talk to, I have brought in a special guest. Uh, he is one of my friends that um, I would say we share a kindred spirit and share uh, very common uh, things in our lives, but two more uh, of the most important things being naked and Doctor Who. So, introducing Mr. Black. And uh, we are actually live at Mr. Black House, his house. Uh, so, thank you, Mr. Black, for uh, letting uh, me record at your lovely home. No problem, naked nerd. Awesome. So, Let's get into the episode. So, let's. let's so, first question first. Uh, let's uh, talk about how we actually became friends. So, how did we become friends? I remember that very well. I think it was about 2016, 2017. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. A profile picture you had was our Time Lord and Saviour, David Tennant, about to regenerate into Matt Smith. And I'm like, ah, oh, there's a kindred spirit. So, I messaged you straight away. And then we were talking and found out at the same time that we were both nudists. So, yes, there you go. Yes, so that's that's actually pretty much how it happened, ladies and gentlemen. Um, so yes, my profile picture at the time was of David Tennant, uh, the Tenth Doctor, um, and one of my favorites, to say the very least. Um, we did uh, share some very good chats about Doctor Who. But yes, we also shared our uh, so we shared a chat about being nudists. Um, so, with that uh, underway, tell me how did you become a nudist? Well, it all goes back to towards the end of high school. Um, when you're in year eleven or twelve, you don't have to do sport anymore on Thursday afternoons, which to me was like, oh, thank God. But it was a uh, amazing to me because for two or three hours every week I got the house to myself. It was the only time I'd ever been alone for that period of time, and I just enjoyed just taking my clothes off and feeling nude, 
where before it was only if I was having a shower or something, you could be nude. And um, I mean, it's pretty boring. I just had to do maths homework and stuff, but just sitting there doing it nude was felt great. So that's pretty much where it started. Yeah, so that actually sounds very similar to how I started off. But yeah, how did you actually manage to have that time to yourself? Were there any issues like of that happening? There was always the danger that my grandma, who lived just a couple of streets away, could come in at any time or mum might come home early from work or anything. So I always had clothes ready to go at a moment's notice, ready to quickly whip them straight back on. <laughs> Ah, yes, the classic have the clothes ready by the room technique that I'm very, very very familiar with. I was also very paranoid. I'd have all the curtains closed and make sure there wasn't even an inch of light showing through. (laughs) (laughs) I went a bit overboard, I think. No, that's that's pretty a a fair technique because uh, from a, a lot of news who are not out, they try and make sure that no one is actually seeing them because obviously there's that... Uh, thing of embarrassment or just like wanting to be private which is fair enough um, so from then from being a home uh, room nudist how did you uh, start practicing nudist in say going out what 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 was the first things that you did uh, after that for years I didn't really have an outlet for it um, I actually did a painting and drawing class for a few years and we used to have nude models in the class and I so wish that I could be one of the nude models being drawn but nothing came of that but then in recent years maybe the last two or three years I started going to nude beaches for the first time and that's my main outlet at the moment is going to nude beaches oh nice so what are some of the beaches that you've been to uh you and I live in Wollongong and the closest one is Werong in the National Park, which I haven't been to yet. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Werong was actually the beach, a beach that I was actually planning on taking Mr. Black to... Mr. Black. <laughs> that I was planning on taking Mr. Black to uh, this week. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you see things, well, it was more fortunate. Uh, we've had quite a bit of heavy rain. Which has been... Is really needed, really. Yeah, it's been really needed to uh, at least uh, quench the last uh, fire spots across the East Coast. Um, Unfortunately, because of the rain, the path to uh, Warung Beach is quite slippery. And I wouldn't recommend it particularly at this point in time because particularly when there's a lot of heavy or torrential rain, it can cause issues with some of the tracks. Um, So... Unfortunately, uh, in this case, we didn't get to go. But uh, what are some of the other, uh, what's some of the beaches that you've been to? Yeah, so I haven't been to that one, but I've mainly been to three that they have in Sydney because they're quite easy to get to. There's um, Lady Bay Beach in Watsons Bay, which you just get a ferry there to Watsons Bay from Circular Quay. I've been to that one a couple of times. And there's also two in Mossman. You get a bus to that one. And that's interesting because there's two like five minutes away from each other. So if you get bored at one, you just walk straight over to the other one. Oh, cool. So so uh, that's, uh, sorry, they're called Cobblers and Obelisk. Oh, yes. Mossman. Co- oh, yes. Cobblers and Obelisk. Um, and when you, when going to those particular beaches, how do you feel? Uh, the first one I went to was the one at Watson's Bay and... 
I, I remember the first time I went there, just getting on the sand and taking my clothes off in public was just like such a, wow, I can't believe I'm able to do this. And it just felt great just feeling the sea breeze like all over my body. It's was a unique experience that you can only really experience there. Yes. Um, I quite agree with you on that front because particularly when you go to a nudist beach, you just feel that sense of liberation that all that heaviness from the clothes just... Uh, slips away and you just feel at ease particularly with the beach um obelisk the one in mossman uh maybe the second or third time i went there i was brave enough to get in the water and just swimming nude that was such a unique experience moving through the water without um a wetsuit that just clings to you and stuff like that i was loved it yeah um i would would definitely agree with you on that particularly when you get in the water like the first time that first time when you get in without your clothes on that's like the the moment that you remember feeling just so not so much constricted because particularly when you're wearing like a wetsuit or board shorts the water can kind of stick to you oh yeah yeah and that's a really it's a really weird swimmers really aren't comfortable they Especially taking them off when they just cling to you and you're like, trying to pull them off. Yeah, like, especially if, if there's sand in them as, as well. And oh, you have, yes. Yeah. I hate sand, to quote a famous line from Star Wars. <laughs> I hate sand, it comes in everywhere. But it's easy to get off when you're nude. That is true, that is true. It is easy to get off when, you, well, the sand to get off when you're nude. Because the only thing that's really clinging uh, to your body is the sand and water basically washes yeah. all away um cause rough and irritating it gets everywhere <laughs> uh classic anakin skywalker um so would you say that nude beaches would be the only outlet that you've experienced at the moment yes so far that's it i haven't been to any nude clubs or resorts or anything like that but would you you're be... the you're the only nudist friend i have so i haven't like being in any nudist parties or anything like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it's especially difficult to find nudist nu- get-togethers. Yeah, particularly around here, because well, there are nudists like here and there. Um, we don't necessarily have like a nudist safe house or safe space to kind of be like, hey, we're naked. How's it going? Um, but would you be willing to go to a nudist club or news resort if you if um, oh yeah for sure i'd love to check it out oh well that's great uh, <laughs> um because i would definitely would recommend a few and i'd like to take you this uh take you to a few uh when i have the chance um but yes uh so mr black Mr. Uh, Blair. <laughs> so you were actually telling me beforehand that you actually have a funny story to sh- to uh, share with the audience because uh, you said that you went to it was was a birdie beach. Yes. So the fourth beach I've been to is Birdie Beach, which is way up on the central coast. So we live in Wollongong, and that's four hours away from here, so not too easy for us to get to. But all of last week, I stayed with family who live up on the central coast. And it was only 45 minutes to get there. So I'm like, right, this is my chance to check it out. But it became an odyssey. It was a disaster. What do you Um, mean by that? Well, I started out um, that that day to, to begin with. It was a stinker. It was 40 degrees. It was one of the hottest days we've had. But that day was my only chance to get there. So I had to go. 
And um, I it started out well. I drove to this little town called Batau Beach where I stopped and had lunch. And when I was there, I quickly checked on Google Maps where I was going. Um, what I really needed to do at that point was um, memorize the name of the street I needed, but I didn't realize that at the time. Um, after lunch, I... well. When I was checking the maps, I don't know what happens, but at that moment, somehow the data was switched off on my phone so I couldn't pick up the internet and I didn't realize that. So I got back into my stinking hot car and got out, plugged in the GPS, ready to set in the street of where Birdie Beach is, turned on my phone to look it up again and there's that little Tyrannosaurus symbol and I was like, shit, no internet. And I thought, all right, I'm probably just in a internet dead spot, like, pretty rugged area which happens so yeah. i just drove another five ten minutes pulled over little dinosaur symbol okay i'm coming up to the entrance that's a major town so i came to the entrance the entrance is where um there's this big bridge and it's sort of the gateway to the northern yep area yeah of the central coast i stopped there still no internet okay and from checking the map before i had a vague idea of the direction to go um, like it was a pretty basic, just one highway I'm following. But when I got closer, it would be difficult. I wouldn't know from there all the little um, streets to go into to find it. So I drove on for another 20 minutes, checking very closely, checking every street sign, um, slowing down to check all the little signs. And finally, at one roundabout, I saw one that said Birdie Beach this way. So I swerved around that roundabout. I'm like, yes, I'm going to find it. And then I made one little mistake, which was at one intersection, I turned left instead of right. Oh, no. And that sent me onto a highway, which I really did not need. Oh. And I completely lost my bearings and I had no idea of how to turn back around. And I'm like, okay, I may have to abort, but I really didn't want to. I wanted to find this beach. So um, I drove on for a few more minutes and came to a petrol station, pulled in there. Turned on my phone, still the little... Am I allowed to swear? Yes, you're allowed to still swear. Still that little fucking Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> um, that was a really busy petrol station and I had to stop in front of a tyre pump, you know, the air pump thing, which had a sign on it saying not working, so all right, I can stop there. And then this guy started going off at me. If you're not filling your tiles, tires, move your damn car! And I said, there's a sign on it that says it's not working. And he said, oh... <laughs> Oh, is it? I'm very sorry. Have a good day. <laughs> oh. So I went, uh, like, I'm I'm a very calm person, but I was ready to snap at this, po at this point. Yeah. I went into the, the petrol station and I said, this is all I could think of. I said, I know they're old fashioned, but do you have, do you sell roadmaps? 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 We ain't sold them since Hot 6. Roadmaps, he says. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what am I going to do? So he was laughing and I got back in my car and drove off. Um, another five minutes, I came to another petrol station, pulled in there, still no internet. I gave up on the internet this time. I knew I wasn't getting it back, but I hadn't thought that it was a simple, just a simple thing of my data being switched off. I went in and asked the same question. Do you sell roadmaps? No, I'm afraid we don't sell them, dear. Oh, what am I going to do? She said, what are you looking for? I said, Birdie Beach. Birdie Beach? Never heard of it. But she, she, she was nice. She got out her phone and looked it up for me and she said, Oh, you're in luck. It's quite near. All you need to do, and she showed me the map on her phone, you go down this road, 
you turn left, then another right, you go over the bridge, when you come to the bridge, then you go that way, and then you turn right into that street, and I'm like, I don't know this area, I can't memorize these directions. Um, but then I worked out, all I needed to know was the one name of the street where the beach was, that's all I needed to know, and I tried to explain that to her, but she was like, no, 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 you just gotta go down this street, and then turn left, and then go over the bridge, and then this, and then that. I'm like, <laughs> and then I saw on her little map the street that I needed, it was Elizabeth Bay Drive, so I just, everything went out of my mind except for that name. Elizabeth Bay Drive, Elizabeth Bay Drive, Elizabeth Bay Drive. Ran back to my car, got the GPS, Elizabeth Bay Drive, put that in and started driving off. I'm like, at last, now I can get there. Little did I realize that Elizabeth Bay Drive was an extremely long street. Oh no. And I came to the wrong end of it. No. And came to the wrong beach. Now, earlier, back when I was having lunch, I'd noticed that um, Birdie, to get to Birdie Beach, you actually had to come to a normal beach called Red Ochre. Okay. When you come to Red Ochre, you just walk five minutes up the stretch of beach and you're up to Birdie, which is right under this big rock wall. Mm-hmm. But I didn't come to Red Ochre. I came to Budgewoy and I didn't, real- I didn't know the names of all the different beaches, so I didn't oh. realize I was at the wrong one. So I came onto Budgewoy looked north and could vaguely see like two or three people in the distance so um i it was again this is 40 degree heat i got a towel over my head i felt a bit like an arabian and just started trudging up in the hot sand with the wind blowing against me so i was pushing against the wind just very slowly getting towards these people in the distance people it turned out who were clothed i had the wrong beach so it took about 10 minutes to walk there. Then I had to turn back around and walk 10 minutes back, um, sweating my ass off because I needed the towel over me to protect me from the sun, but that was just causing more heat. Mm. Um, I got back to the car and drove along Elizabeth Bay Drive back to where I had originally made the mistake. This time, instead of going left, I went right and it sent me into a national park little area. And finally, the car park of Birdie Beach. I was like, yes, I made it. I'd wasted so much time. Like I'd planned, planned it out to get there quite quickly and have like an hour or two to spend there. But now time was really running out. Um, I was also taken by surprise. You had to pay $8 to park there. So I had to go back to my car and get my wallet out and get a ticket and then back to my car again to leave the ticket there. Um, I got onto the beach and where they're all clothed people and I looked north and then I could see nude people off in the distance. So again, walking in the heat against the wind along hot sand, I finally made it to Birdie Beach and it was really nice. It's really open. Like if you've been to the Mossman or Watson's Bay beaches, they're very quite small and enclosed. Right. Birdie Beach is like a proper open big sandy beach. And this amazing huge rock wall, which then leads to rock pools, which were beautiful. It's really, it's a really good beach. Probably the best I've been to. It's just a shame it's so hard to get to. <laughs> oh, see. Um... Really nice, friendly people too. And the water was lovely. I was just, as soon as I got there and got my clothes off and lathered myself in sunblock, because I'm a redhead with fair skin, so I need to protect myself. Right. And I just got straight in the water and it's like... <laughs> all the steam just came off me that was nice oh man uh just being able to reach there after all that 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 would that's not even the worst of it the worst of it was yet to come there's more 
please, please share, please share. I was in the water for about five minutes and then had a little look around the rock pools. Really nice. Having, it's finally relaxing. But of course, like I'd wasted so much time. I only got to spend about 20 minutes there and then I had to start heading back. Aww. Otherwise, my family would have been asking questions while I was gone so long. Like, where have you been? Where did you go? <laughs> Who did you see? <laughs> have you got half an hour so I can give you the story? Anyway, um, I put my clothes back on, felt that I had my keys and my wallet. Hold on. My other pocket's empty. I scrambled through my um, bag. No phone. Not not in my bag. Not with my clothes. What had happened was um, where I originally took my clothes off, I then noticed just nearby was a more shady area under the rocks. So... I picked up my bag of stuff with one hand, and this was the big mistake I made. I picked up my clothes with the other. Right. Where I should have just put them straight in the bag. And my phone had slipped out of my pocket as I was walking over and fallen in the sand somewhere. And I thought, that's it. I'm not getting it back. Someone's either picked it up and is keeping it, or I will not find it in this sand. And um, I was trying to keep as calm as I was, uh, as, sorry, as calm as I could, but obviously I was looking pretty stressed because I walked past this these two young guys and one of them said, you right, mate? And I said, I think I've lost my phone. And he went, oh, and he pulled it out. He had it with him and I was like, oh my God. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I was so grateful. It was a little bit awkward because I'd put my clothes on and he and his friend were naked, but I was so happy. I said, can I please give you a hug because you have just saved my day. And he said, yeah, sure. And I gave him a hug and I gave his friend a hug. And he said, you take care of that phone. And I said, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And then I'm like, right, I'm out of here. And got back in my car, pumped the aircon and drove back. Oh, so... Uh, unfortunately you didn't get to experience much, but at least you got to go there. And at least I had my phone back. Like that, that, that just would have been the, what's the opposite of the icing on the cake? Uh, <laughs> I have, I, I don't know. I need to look that up. Whatever the opposite of that is, that would have just been the last kick in the teeth. Oh, like the last straw. Yeah. The last straw. Oh probably yes. probably would have exploded on that beach. Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, in terms of that, though, um, would you go back to that beach, even though it took you... Oh, definitely. And yeah. now that I know how to get there, I know off by heart how to get there now, um, and I know all the little ins and outs of it, yeah, i definitely go back. Yeah, that that's the same for me in, uh, I'd say, Warong, because the first time I decided to drive myself there... I had no idea where I needed to park because uh, for those of you who don't know uh, where Warong Beach is, it's near Otford, near Stanwell Park, Stanwell Tops. Um, and on, uh, it's on basically on the coast, like literally uh, touching the sea. And to actually get there, it's about a 20 to 30 minute uh, trek down uh, cliffside. Um, and... To actually uh, get there, to actually get to the place where to park, uh, you need to actually uh, go through a number of different uh, uh, points. And to actually get there, you have to really pay attention because I almost ends up going to the other side of the National Park. Um, so always uh, double check where you need to go. And, and 
as always, I'd, I'd recommend I'd recommend to memorize it. Don't rely on technology, especially in rugged areas. Yes, where you don't know where you're going. I would definitely recommend memorizing as well. All right, so um, besides, uh, sorry, can I just say if those two guys that found my phone are listening, I am still so grateful. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, go right ahead. Um, I would say uh, those particularly those two guys actually showed a really good example of how nudists are very friendly and uh, very honest. Yeah, but, um, very friendly. And very it's something nice. that we've shared uh, for quite some time uh, to the point where we basically know each other very well. And one of the things that we do know each other really well uh, is our love of Doctor Who. And so, uh, as we said earlier on the episode, uh, Matt uh, found me through a profile pic that I used of... Um, David Tennant as the Doctor. And so, uh, on that particular note, uh, can you tell the audience, how did you become a Whovian? Like, how did you become a fan of Doctor Who? Well, we were both born around the same time. I was, You were born in 1986, I was born in 1985. Yes. So we were right at the tail end of Doctor Who's classic run. Our childhood in the 90s, there really wasn't any Doctor Who at all. I don't remember it being shown at least not in prime time on ABC in the afternoons. Do you remember it in, being shown in the 90s? In the 90s, no. The only episode or episodes I remember were The Seventh Doctor, which was Sylvester McCoy. And I do remember quite well it was uh, it was his episode with Ace. But what, sti- what stuck in my mind was the colour blue of the TARDIS. And that's something that I wouldn't see for uh, many, many years, because particularly in the 90s, there wasn't uh, Doctor Who available on prime time, as you said. But I believe it was available, I think it was like early in the morning, I think. Yeah, recently I looked up TV Guide archives and saw that it was shown at like 2 or 3 in the morning back in like 1992, 93, 94. Oh, wow. So, yeah, that, that that's way too... Well, So yeah. we had very little exposure to it. But my first introduction to Doctor Who ever was in 1996 when I was 10. The Paul McGann movie, which premiered on ABC. Oh, dear. And my mum, who'd been a fan in the 70s and loved Tom Baker, was very excited for that because at that time I was becoming very obsessed with time and time travel and back to the future and stuff like that so she said you're gonna love this and we watched it together and she thought it was rubbish (laughs) (laughs) um bits of it stuck with me i was very intrigued about the master and the gothic looking tardis because it was the first time they redesigned the tardis Mm -hmm. um she mum explained to me about the doctor changing but you don't really get a sense of or you do get a bit of a sense of that in the movie of him regenerating but all of that stuff i didn't understand and she explained to me about the TARDIS being bigger on the inside than the outside. But then the movie pretty much bombed and didn't really lead to anything. So there was nothing to follow on with it. So until 2003, when you'd remember this, ABC in Australia started showing a massive Doctor Who marathon that went for about two and a half years. Oh, yes. How could I forget? Every night at six o'clock, every episode was shown in order. Yes, yeah, so, except for the lost ones from the sixties. Oh yes, besides the the lost ones, um, so basically on, on our ABC for those of you uh, internationally listening, so we have the Australian Broadcasting uh, Corporation or Commission, um, and um, basically um, the ABC showed Doctor Who 
the reruns of it back in 2003. I think it was like... Yeah, late 2003, they started with the William Hartnell episodes. Yes. And I started watching and I thought it was great. But at that time, I was just in the habit that 6 o'clock was The Simpsons. Oh, yes. And I watched the... I must have watched the first four episodes because I remembered the the cliffhanger for when they landed on Skaru and the radiation meter went to danger. I remember that, but that's the last thing I remember. The next day, I must have gone back to Channel 10 and watching The Simpsons, uh... which I, I forever kick myself for now. Like I'd, I love The Simpsons and it's such an inspiration to me, obviously for the Mr. Black thing. <laughs> but, um, I should... I'd, Channel 10 had been showing The Simpsons in a cycle for years and years and I just watched it for years and years and here was a new show I could have got into but I actually didn't get into it for another two years when they'd reached the end of the marathon and were up to the Sylvester McCoy episodes in early 2006. See, what happened was after The Simpsons was Neighbours, this soap opera, which I couldn't stand (laughs) that back then, back in the days when there was still only five channels... It was at 6.30, it was Neighbours, News, 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 and whatever crap was on SBS. (laughs) But for some reason in January, February 2006, ABC, I guess to finish off that marathon, was showing two Doctor Who episodes. So one at 6 and then another one at 6.30. So this afternoon, um, Neighbours came on, um, quickly changed the channel, come to ABC, and here's another episode of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, Sylvester McCoy's era uh, started with a very early computer animation style opening sequence. Oh, yeah. And that caught my attention straight away. Uh, this episode was Dragonfire Part 1, which Doctor Who fans will know is the introduction of the very last companion of the classic era, Ace, who was this late 80s tough street girl. She was different from any companion who had come before and she she just grabbed me straight away like I was so intrigued by her character. And um, I watched four episodes, all four parts of um, Dragonfire and then at the end of part four, the Doctor's current companion Mel leaves and the Doctor invites Ace aboard and I'm like, oh yeah, I want to follow her story. <laughs> so I watched all the seven Doctor and Ace stories right through to the very last episode of Survival. And I was just hooked. The Seventh Doctor and Ace sucked me right in. And also at that time, um, the brand new episodes were coming out. Christopher Eccleston, which I used to watch with my mum, all the Christopher Eccleston episodes. And then into David Tennant. And it was just a perfect time to come into it. Mm. Where 1996 and the TV movie wasn't. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that 1996 movie was just... It was just bizarre, particularly, for, in my opinion, the regeneration scene... That was just, um, it was basically like an LSD trip, particularly when, uh, McCoy's face was just like, kind of like, almost like he was having like a twitchy, like, like, yeah, kind of thing. He does a gurning sort of thing with his face, but which like, he's a bit of a clown, so he did it really well. But then McGann was only half assed doing it. So the faces, the face gurning doesn't really meld too well from McCoy into McGann. Right. Um, so with that in mind, so who would you say is your favourite Doctor of the classic era? I'd have to say Christopher Eccleston. He, I just love, even though he did only one season, I just loved that series one that he did. It was just 
yeah, loved it. I loved him as the doctor. I like how he was sort of intimidating and a bit dark and his northern accent. Um, yeah, loved it. And David Tennant's hero was just like the peak of modern Doctor Who, I think. David Tennant was what the Tom Baker era was back in the 70s. Yeah, I would actually agree with you on that. Um, so what do you think <clears throat> of the current Doctor, Jodie Whittaker? Uh, I said David Tennant's era was the peak and I sort of, going into the 2010s, it started losing me a bit. Um, Stephen Moffat, who ran it during the 2010s, wasn't necessarily my favourite writer. He was great when he was writing in the Russell T Davies era, but as head showrunner, I don't think he was... He was a bit convoluted. And then, um, same with Chris Chibnall, the current writer. I'm not a big fan of him. I've loved all the Doctors, Matt Smith, Peter Capaldi, Jodie Whittaker, have all been great, but I think all three of them have been let down by poor writing and all been a bit of a mess <laughs> mm. i would agree with you probably more on the series 11 because for me that was a bit hit and miss but the current series at the moment especially well not so much praxius the last episode that came out but uh uh the jejun episode uh, i actually did like because it had me on my on my toes um the reveal of the new doctor and i know you have some opinions about that um, I actually uh, liked that it was a really important twist. But what? How did you feel? Um, yeah, it was a very interesting twist. I loved the them finding the buried TARDIS when they pull away the dirt and there's the police box sign. I thought that was very good. Um, but then when they were revealing that Ruth was it? Yeah, Ruth. Ruth was actually a a doctor that you've never heard of. I was like, oh, this has already been done. They did it with John Hurt. And I felt it's a bit gimmicky, but I'm, I feel it might be more like what they did with Jackson, La uh, Jackson Lake character from the 2008 Christmas special, the next doctor. Oh yeah. If you remember that he was introduced as this new doctor that you haven't heard of yet. And, or he's going to be the next doctor after David Tennant. And, he has a TARDIS and he has a sonic screwdriver, which was actually just a real proper screwdriver. Yeah. Um, but then there was this loophole that explained, you know, he's not really the doctor. It was a Cyberman info stamp, I think it was, that just put all that information into his head. I feel it might more be something like that, that she's not a real doctor. There's going to be some sort of explanation. Well, that is a very good theory. Speaking of theories, though, um, one of... Uh, many people that I've been talking to, um, Adam Richards. So for those of you who don't know, um, Adam Richards, uh, I would say former host of Whovians. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if he's going to come back to it. Uh, but uh, basically, he has a podcast that goes for 10 minutes at a time. And he goes through the latest theories about Doctor Who. Um, he's actually, uh, we've actually been talking via Twitter and I would say he actually, uh, uh, I would say, uh, utilized some of the, the theories that other people have had to say. Uh, uh, one of the theories that has actually been popping up, even though uh, Chris Chibnall has basically said, uh, no, that's not uh, correct, is the theory that Ruth, Dr. Ruth, is uh, the doctor from another timeline or from another universe. Chris Chibnall has flat out said no. But, um, 
if you ever wanted to talk theories with Adam Richards, he has a podcast called Adam Richards Has a Theory, uh, which I'll leave um, in the description. Um, but uh, in terms of other theories, uh, Mr. Black, uh, Mr. Black, Mr. Black, what are some other theories that have been uh, that you think could be happening with the Doctor, particularly with, say, the Timeless Child? Um, well, I'd say do not believe anything Chris Chibnall says. He says Jack, Captain Jack's not coming back. Bullshit, he's coming back. If you've got John Barrowman available, J- Captain Jack is coming back. Um, yes, I think Ruth is very much connected to the Timeless Child thing. Um, that's a, uh, yeah, some, the Master is going to be involved somehow. I love how they brought the Master back. That was a real surprise. Yeah, for me too, because I, I personally didn't think the Master was going to come back so soon. But also... Um, it's funny because when he reveals himself as the Master, he said, I am the spy master but all his emphasis on the master didn't compute with me it's just when he held up this tiny little figure of someone he'd shrunk i was like oh that's the master because uh anthony ainley the 80s master back in the classic era used to shrink people with his uh tissue compressor i think it was called yes that's what it was called and oh because i'm a big nerd with that stuff that's how i knew it was the master not the obvious hitting you over the head i am the spy master Yes, and I believe that he's actually the regeneration of John Sims' master, as opposed to uh, Missy's master. That reminded me, my theory with that is that he's an early, a very early master, probably before the first incarnation, which was played by Roger Delgado mm. back in the 70s. I think he's before Roger Delgado. Mm. Um, which, it can make sense, but... We'll have to actually save that for another day because we could go. We see me, and Mr. Black. We talk theories all the time, so we could basically do this podcast twenty four seven if we wanted to. But unfortunately, that's all the time that we have at the moment. But uh, Mr. Black, Mr. Black, thank you for uh, joining uh, me and um, inviting me into your lovely home, and um, I hope that we have uh, another chat. Uh, probably later in the year. My pleasure, anytime. All right, so listeners, uh, before I go, uh, so a couple of things. So uh, check out the new website, the which will be on the description of the show. Also have a, a listen to Adam Richards uh, has a theory. Um, also a big shout out to uh, the Royal Fire Service who are still currently trying to fight uh around 50 fires at the moment um also uh, once again a huge shout out and thanks to uh brent little creative services for the new logo and banner um and uh stay tuned for more episodes they're going to be a little bit more structured um i promise you that and there's going to be more interviews so until uh next you listen uh live nude and be yourself and this has been the naked nerd signing off